What is up and welcome back to another episode of the Girl Gangs Podcast. I'm Amber P. I'm Alexis Adams. And for today's episode, we are talking about making your season realistic. Alexis came up with this topic idea, and I think it's fantastic because it's the start of the new year. Everyone's setting those goals, which I love. However, comma, you have to make sure that the goals that we're setting and we're more so speaking about in the realm of bodybuilding and competing are realistic. Yes, and I think there's different ways to look at like what is realistic for you. Um, so I actually wrote down some notes this time. Okay, girl. Um, I've been okay. on a roll. I've been on a roll <laughs> with um like deep cleaning and I have excavated two like yard size trash bags of crap from my kitchen. Okay. So that's what I've been doing all morning. Um and so then when you messaged me and was like, what's our topic? I was like, my brain was just like in a functional capacity. So we'll take advantage of it while it's here. Amen to that. Um, right. What you got? Let's go. Um, you like, you have to be realistic financially, physically, like what your physique's going to do health wise. Cause you can like your money could allow you to, and your physique might look like it's allowing you to, but if you don't, focus on some aspect of health, you'll run yourself into the ground and then trying to come back another season is going to be three times or 10 times as hard. Um, and then schedule wise, because most of us have real lives in addition to bodybuilding. Amen to that. I mean, I can speak to that. Like I was just telling Alexis before we got on that this morning, I just had to sit down and Basically, okay, girl, what's realistic for you right now? You need to make some sort of schedule and routine so that way we can implement that. But something I had to realize is for me, realistically, I thought I was going to be prepping, getting ready for the spring season and just the way that my life is right now, that is not realistic. So for me, I've had to just basically shift my priorities because I understand with the high stress that I'm under, like Alexa said, I'm going to be beating my head up against the wall, trying to, you know, make sure, trying to make things happen when it's just going to cause more stress. And then also like finances, I have to make sure all of my finances are in order as well, because I think people don't realize it regardless if you are an amateur or a pro, this ish is expensive. It does not matter where you fall. Yes, for sure. And it's like, the further that you get into a season, um, really the more expensive that it can get. Cause like, for example, let's say you're an amateur, you did a couple shows last season, you are planning to try to get your pro card this season, or at least make some national debuts. Um, it can skyrocket and snowball extremely quickly coming from girl who doesn't take off seasons. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am the queen of one more show, one more show. And if you weren't like completely planning to do that show, you can find the money, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it was in the budget. So now you're shifting things around. So like, let's say you're planning to do junior USA. A lot of times girls will say like, I'm going to do junior USA. And if I don't win my pro card, but I'm close, I'll do junior nationals. That's like, it's usually like a four or five week time lapse. I haven't looked exactly at the new schedule, but um, they're close enough. And really the circuit is within, like 
you can run the whole circuit all the way to September if you wanted to. Um, realistically, like as long as your body's doing well, they're like two to four weeks apart typically. And that's completely doable when you're bouncing from show to show. Um, but let's say you're third at Junior USA. You're close. Your feedback is coming fuller. Make sure your glutes are tighter. Something doable. Okay. You roll into Junior Nationals. You get second. You miss it by one spot. The rational brain will say, if I make significant improvements, go into an off season, come back next year, I can just be undeniable and not have to do a bunch of shows. The I was so close in bodybuilding's addicting brain will say, just do one more. <laughs> and it's hard when you are close or you feel like, Something that went wrong is easily fixable. Your peak was off or something mm -hmm. like that. It's very easy to be like, we can fix that. We can do it again. But to do another show, especially when you're planning last minute like that, you are looking at last minute flights. Those are way more expensive than oh. if you book a month or two out at least. Um, you're looking at tanning, hotel, travel, food. Because a lot of times, especially if you're like me and you live in a small, normal area, and then you travel normal. to a city. Target from my house. Target is 10 minutes from my house. I'm normal. I'm like end of the suburb-ish, I would say. Um, if you're going to like Orlando, chicken is like $15 more. Which isn't a lot, like $15 alone is not a lot. But when right. you're adding all of these expenses up together, it adds up. So hey. make sure. Get out of the <laughs> Sorry. We're leaving that in. We're <laughs> Try to give him a chance. No, sir. Don't you open that door. We're leaving that in. You scurrying away with him. Oh. <laughs> Oh, could you see me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alexis. So those things add up. So um, you, one, want to make sure that you have, like, bounce, like, cushion, I guess is the right word, money saved anyway. Because, like, that shows you don't know if you're going to get a flat tire. You don't know. Like, you don't know. You're out of town. You're on a strict schedule. You need to make things happen. Um, Kenley and I went before I was in bodybuilding, luckily we caravanned to one of his shows for the weekend because we get an hour and a half from home and my engine blows on the interstate on a Friday. He has to get to check-ins. So we like ditched the car, <laughs> got in our other friend's car and finished going to the show. I had to like finagle all the things, but like if there was no money in the bank, what you do about a blown engine? You know, you're not planning something like that. Yeah. So you have to be financially ready and you don't, you don't dig yourself into a gigantic hole for bodybuilding. Yes. Something I had to be realistic about when it came to finances was it hit me. This is my first season where my feedback wasn't, you need to grow. So that means for me, as long as my body is holding up and I'm mentally okay, I'm probably going to be able to do more shows than I ever had, 
which means more money. And what that also means is the majority of my shows probably won't be on the East Coast or on the South either. I'm probably going to have to be flying a little bit more because again, like this will be my first real pro season. So everything is different. And when I had that moment, I was like, yeah, okay. We're going to have to really like scale it back and get a true plan financially because it's not going to be, okay, I'm just going to do two shows, three shows, be done. It's going to be more than that. So financially, we got to be realistic about it and plan appropriately. Yes. And you have to, and like, that's the strategy and you have to be able to afford what is the appropriate strategy for you. So if you can't, that doesn't mean your strategy needs to change. It just might mean you need more time. So like Amber strategy, like, especially y'all, you know, with bikini, one small thing can be the difference between first and fifth place or fifth and 10th place. So like, it's, it's probably the most subjective division. Um, so that needs to be Amber's, um, strategy going into this season, because at the pro level, it's close. It's not like, like the amateurs tend to be like the top 10 or so, or sometimes even less than that top five are really competitive. And then it's a deep slide down from there as far as like competitiveness. Um, the pros are a lot tight knit, like 25 girls, everyone's there to win. So everyone's bringing their best. The judges have to be picky. That's why judge um, pros stay on stage so much longer. It's not because they're just trying to give the sh- the crowd a show. They're legitimately trying to make sure that they get the um, placings correct. So like I've said, as far as the Olympia, like my peak went a little bit badly. That's a learning experience. But a lot of times, even when you're peaking perfectly, you still have to have the like reserve financially physically to be able to go from show to show to show and make those small tweaks while you are in shape and while you have that same physique and nail it like it might take you three or four shows to figure out nailing it how many shows did ashley kaltwasser do before she started popping off and they know exactly what to do with her she's done 40 or she's won 40 plus shows for a reason she's done way more than that she does she still doesn't win every show that she does you know, so um, that's my, like, that's our plan too. So even if the show that I go into this season, the first show that I do, I win, I'm not stopping like I did last season. That was our our plan last season. I needed to grow and I needed time between that show and the Olympia. Now it's how do we nail what I bring to stage? Like it's small tweaks at this point. So that means for me too. Pros don't have, I mean, Bikini has way more shows than wellness does, but still Amber and I have been fortunate up and coming through the amateur ranks that all but one national show when we were competing were on the East Coast. I know that national is now in Texas, but it used to always be in Florida. So it was like, I could go really seven to 12 hours in a car, which I'm not getting on a plane for that anywhere that I wanted to for my shows. So I didn't fly to a show until my pro debut, but now we don't really have that option. And if you want to do shows close together, they're not necessarily all close together, like geographically. So then now you're bouncing from like Virginia to North Carolina. Cool. 
but now you got to go to Texas and now you got to go to Vegas. Like you're just, you're flying back and forth constantly. Yeah. And those West Coast flights, well, regardless on where you live in the country, if you're on the West Coast coming to the East or vice versa, that already is going to make things way more expensive from the flight. And then something else you have to understand, too, is if you're going to a different coast, you need to get there earlier so you can see how your body's going to adjust to the climate change. Like a lot of the girls are from the West Coast. When they come to our side of town to try to compete, they're like the humidity gets them. And they're not used to that extra moisture. For us, we go over there, we dry up like a freaking raisin. We're like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. What's happening? You know, like I haven't, com- I've worked before on the West Coast when I was prepping. And let me tell you something. The day I was getting ready to go home, I was like, whoa, I am dry as a bone. So I can only imagine what it's like when you are staging and you're competing over there and you're from the East Coast. I mean, you've done it. You know what it's like. Yeah. And like, luckily we do usually manipulate my water pretty significantly. So like by that point, I'm mentally prepared for the dryness. Like peak week, I've told you guys, I don't care. Make me, I will do whatever we need to get to stage appropriately. Like I'm not hungry anymore as far as like, like I'm, I can eat my food, but I'm not like craving anything. I'm, I'm not like the discomfort of hunger. I'm just like, this is, this is doing exactly what it needs to be doing. I'm happy. Um, but I can tell you when we went to, um, Dallas in December for nationals, I could not get enough water in and I was dropping from being so dehydrated. And I was drinking, typically I drink about a gallon a day. I was drinking a gallon and a half to two. And I still felt like I was living in the desert. I was like, y'all, why? Like, why is it like this year? Because see, we weren't <laughs> expecting it, it because my yeah, uh, yeah, great for the hair. But if we weren't expecting it because obviously we know it's not going to be as cold over there as it is on our side. But for some reason, I thought because you know it wasn't going to be as hot that it wouldn't still feel dry. You guys. When we were walking back from dinner after from dinner with Elizabeth, Alexis and I were just kind of like, I cannot, I just cannot get enough water. So those are things you have to account for. And the thing is, you never know how your body is going to respond. So let's say you've done it before and you're like, you were fine. Well, like we say every time, every prep is different. So getting over there two to three days earlier is always going to be beneficial. But guess what? It's more expensive. So account yeah. for it. And it's like, and it's, it's hard. Cause like you can go into a show and most amateurs will do this. And we've done it before where we say like, this is about how much one prep will cost if you're all in on it. But then from there, you can't really calculate it. You can have an idea. I have been running numbers y'all. Like I have been, okay, if I do this show and then this show about how much is it going to cost? But ultimately, once you get in it, like I'm not buying a ticket for those sec for that second show. I'm going to eat the extra two hundred dollars that it cost me for that flight rather than buying a ticket and then feeling like I have to force whatever to happen to make those changes. Because let's say we get on stage the first show and it's a second place or something. And then the judges are like, you need to come in tighter. Okay, well, in two weeks' time, probably not possible unless it was a peaking issue. If it's body fat, you're not going to be significantly tighter. So, like, obviously, I don't plan to come in needing to lose more body fat. But you don't know until you know. So 
I can't tell you exactly how much it's going to cost when I go from show one to two and two to three and three to four. I can estimate it. But if you don't have a cushion behind that estimation, you're going to be in a tight spot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like I was so. I hate. Let me check on the dogs. Okay. Sorry, I thought I saw Kenley's truck go down the road and then I heard um, like a, a sketchy sound, like the sink or something was running, but Kenley wasn't here. I thought Kenley wasn't here. So <laughs> I have a bunch of stuff like out from underneath the bathroom sink in the floor. And I was like, what did they just get into? <laughs> it was Kenley. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's some, that's good right there. Something I just thought about. If you have animals, who's watching your animals? That's yes. something you have it's, to account for. Yeah. And like the longer that you have to go on a trip, the more expensive that it is. Um, so if you only have one dog, it's not a big deal. If you have three, I live in a, like a, the cost of living is not high here and it can be a lot quickly trying to have three dogs even just let out of the house and Callie's little and can't just be let out three times a day so hang on okay um yes so Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Um, the dogs are being bad. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> that, that I think that is probably one of those expenses that people don't think about because I didn't think about it until, like, this is before my mom had moved in with us. I was like, oh, wait a second. Who's going to watch my boys? And I, my dogs are large, so... It's a little bit more work. They have high energy. They need to be, it's like a whole thing. So that that's something to account for. Something else that I don't think people account for. If you are someone who's like me and you're a DIY tanner, which this is great for some people and it's not great for everybody. So I don't promote it for everyone. Like if you can and it works for your skin, cool. If you're not afraid of it, but flying with it. Like I have these little protection covers over my tan to make sure it doesn't explode. But guess what? Sometimes it can still explode. So let's say you're like, okay, getting ready to do my tan. You pull your stuff out. It's exploded. Guess what? Now you need to run your butt downstairs, pay 150 whatever it is, so someone can spray you because, and that's extra money that you need to account for because these things do happen. I had a competitor. She was competing in an OCB show. And it was the one in Charlotte. She booked me for her makeup and she was coming out of New York. Her flight was delayed. This was not her fault. I thought this was like absolute trash. Long story short, she got in and she ran to get her tan. And they said, oh, we're sorry. We can't tan. You're already closed. 
And so she's just standing there like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like my flight was delayed it's out of my control. And so she had texted me saying she was so stressed out. I said, well, here's what we're going to do. When you come get your makeup done, I'm going to tan you because I have some DIY tan. But that's why it's like, it's always, you have to account for, I, OCB was garbage for that. Pro tanner liquid sun rays would have never, ever done yeah. that. I don't even know what tanning companies they use. I'm not sure either. Mm. Uh, but that was just absolute, absolute garbage. Cause some people freak out with a tan, especially like whenever I'm sending out signs for appointments, like, Oh, well, my tan's at this time. Do you know how easy it is for you to switch your tan time? Well, in the NPC. In, no, in the NPC, in the NPC, excuse yeah. me, in the NPC. If like, if you get like a, a tan time or something, something doesn't work for you, just ask them to switch it. Because yeah. there's and been girls before who weren't even on the schedule and they just walk down. They're like, yeah, we'll tan you. Yeah, and I totally get, like, because I'm a schedule person. I like to know where I need to be when. I don't like things to run over. Um, and it stresses me out, even if everyone seems to be cool with it when things get awry. So, like, at the Olympia, um, I'm sponsored by Liquid Sunrays. I know all the girls. I t Like, it's not a big deal. And I know that they don't like, I know that that's what Amber just described is exactly what it is, but it still stresses me out. So like our check-in meeting went, was running late. It just like the meetings before kind of pushed in and like we were starting a little bit late. And when I scheduled my tan, I didn't know that that's the time that check-in would be. So it wasn't a huge deal, but I messaged and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be running late. And then I get over there and it was, it was fine. I just walked right in and got my tan. But with everything, like, I don't like to rush. I had to not get my makeup done. because so I was like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> things are running behind too much. And things like that will happen, which, I mean, this is off topic, but I mean, I was just talking about tan exploding and whatnot. But that's why I always send my schedule out to my athletes on Tuesday, because it gives everybody enough time to freak out. It gives everybody enough time to message me like a mad person. It gives everyone enough time to calm down and it gives us most importantly enough time to reschedule it. So I'm a competitor. I understand that I'm thinking ahead. And of course, everyone doesn't think that way, but when you're not competing, you're not rational. And that's what I have to remind myself. You know what I mean? So yeah, we want everything to be perfect and aligned and on time, but realistically things do happen. Yes. Um, what are your physique's abilities? So let's say you are, you've taken a long off season. You've been off for like a year and a half and you're going into your next prep. You've made significant changes, all excited, going to bring a better package. A lot of times, especially for amateur competitors, if you're with a new coach, lots of variables that are being thrown in will start a 20 week prep. 20 weeks from your first show. So now you are 20 weeks in, you're doing a warm up show because you need to qualify, and then you go to Junior USA. That's in May. You get third, fourth, something close. They, the feedback they give you is like doable. Now you want to go into Junior USA or Junior Nationals. That's four weeks later. So now you're at 24 weeks. And now you are second. And you want to add another show. So what they say is you need to be a little bit tighter. Body fat. Okay. Universe, two weeks, not an option. So you're going to do USAs. That's six weeks. 
can you see how many times I've run the freaking circuit knowing exactly how many shows? (laughs) And, and, and USA's is a two day show. More money. Yes. It's two days in Vegas. Vegas. So, um, now that's six more weeks. You're at 30 weeks now. So let's say you go into USA's when you're pro card. What do we like to do after we win a pro card? Go straight into a pro debut. You've already been in prep for 30 weeks. Two thirds of a year you've been prepping. And now you have to make some kind of change from when you won your pro card to when you get on stage with pros. Because I don't I don't care what they say. There's a difference. So you can't go on stage looking exactly how you just did. And even if it's a tiny change, you have a couple more weeks of at least maintaining. So now you're at 32, 34 weeks of prep. And where's your mindset at at this point? Because I know you're tired. I've been there, done that. I know you're tired. And even if you're tired physically, but like excited mentally, you have to look at what your physique is doing. Are you going backwards? Are you losing muscle? Are you not losing body fat anymore? Because at some point you're going to just stop responding. That was one of the best things that Alexis pointed out to me towards the end of the season because I hadn't even thought about it that way when I was debating about trying to do Nashville Fit Show. And she was like, well, first of all, she's like, mentally you're tired because you've never dug like this before and that's fine. And then I was just kind of like, well, I've only done three shows. But then she said, yeah, you've only done three shows, but how long have you been prepping? You prepped for 20 weeks or whatever. And then you add on more weeks as you keep going on to the shows. I think that's the one thing that we forget because I had never thought about it. Yeah. Okay. You prep 20 weeks or 16 weeks, but guess what? As long as you're competing, you're still prepping. You're, you're still lean. You're still doing cardio. You're still dieting. And so when she said that to me, that was like a massive aha moment and also helped me now for strategizing for this season. It's kind of like, okay, you've been doing this for almost five years. You're a pro now. They're not telling you, you need to grow, grow, grow. Is it truly necessary for you to do a 20 week prep? Probably not. Probably not. And that's kind of, I mean, that's what we're looking at too. We're not planning a long prep because I want to do multiple shows. So like things have to come into equation and like, I've been there, I've done that. Sometimes it just becomes what it is. So you just have to like check in with yourself as you're going. Um, Because you could be 22 weeks in, feel great, body's responding. You can keep hammering it out. We're not saying that you can't and it's not that it's a bad decision to make that decision, but it is if there are red flags. So I've been there junior nationals. The first year that I did it in 2021, I got second that, and it was like, they, that's when they still put out the scorecards. I haven't seen scorecards for the amateurs in a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was a one judge decision. So I was like, I was so close. Like if we come in a little bit tighter, and I pump a little bit more, it might be it. Like, we might be able to do it. And I pitched it to my coach. He was like, we only have two weeks. You don't peak well two weeks back to back. Like, at this, mm-hmm. at, up until that point, I had not done, I had not done well that close together. So that's what he said. He was like, I don't think your body's going to respond the way that we need it to. And I was like, having FOMO from the year prior when I did one show and didn't do the next. And then people that I had 
come out ahead of and placings were getting their pro cards. And I was like, I can't do that again. So like, I have to do this show. So he's like, okay. And then what happened? Exactly what he said was going to happen. <laughs> and, then something, did not respond. and then something else to add to that as well, because this is something that amateurs at that national level need to keep in mind just because that's your feedback. You're so close. Come in a little bit tighter. Next show's in two weeks. So guess what? Your body is probably already, you took a hit. You did one peak. You under, gotta understand when you do a peak, it, it takes a lot from your body. So now guess what? Your next show, there might be someone else who is just crispy, a hundred percent spot on and they might beat you. And you're thinking in your mind, well, they told me a little bit tighter and I, just because they're saying get a little bit tighter and show up in two weeks, that does not guarantee a win. That's things that I think a lot of amateurs don't realize because it doesn't matter what they say. It's also who's that who's in that lineup that day. Someone else at that first show could have got third call outs and maybe they did some voodoo stuff or maybe their peak went wrong. They could come back and slap you and beat you the next day, especially if you're in bikini. Yeah. That's some bikini yeah. is for you. <laughs> and you also have to think about like, because most of us have normal jobs outside of bodybuilding, what's going on in life? Do your kids have programs that are going on that you have to haul them around for next the next two weekends and then you have a weekend yep. show after that? Do you have a whole bunch of stuff going on at work? Have you slacked and gotten behind on work because of prep, banking on coming back and getting it together? Can you afford to get two more weeks behind? Like, all of those things. And I've talked to you guys before about how I've strategized of how, like I've had to learn over the years, what's going to work for me. I've gone part-time at work because nursing is hard y'all like yeah. trying to do shows back to back to back is hard with nursing with the schedule. You're required to work certain weekends, trying to shift your weekends around. People get pissed when you start <laughs> like, Hey, I need this weekend covered again. Mm -hmm. Like they support mm -hmm. you, but they're also like, yeah, I want to, I want to have my Saturday off too. And yeah. like, it's hard. So you have to kind of like think ahead and some things you can't completely plan for and just be realistic. Like, okay, I have three weeks. What's going on in those three weeks? Do I, do I have to plan Susie's baby shower? Like all of those things cause stress. And if you are going to be more stressed in the next couple of weeks that it's leading into the second show, than you were into the previous show and it was a peaking issue, girlfriend, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're and, just wasting a thousand dollars to go mm -hmm. get on stage again. Yeah. It's it's a lot. And that's something uh, another I learned so much about myself this past season too, is that for me, post show blues looks totally different than a, the typical person. Like most people they struggle with the physique and I get that. I don't struggle with the physique aspect. For me, it's more so getting back to life to real life because what happened to me was when as I was getting back into real life because I neglected so much stuff because competing 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 when it was time for me to face my real life and my work oh that was not good and so I understand now for me realistically when making my season realistic there are things that I need to put in place for my job for work before I even start prep to make sure that when prep is over, I'm not spiraling the way that I do, did this past season because that mm -mm, it's, it's just not 
it's not worth it. And then it can also, like, if you're not careful, it can give you a negative connotation of competing. Competing did not screw that up. That was me and my poor planning that screwed that up. But I'm self-aware to know that. Yes. And then also how, like, within the physique aspects, that can be a little bit different than health. Because your physique could be responding, but you're running your health into the dirt, especially if you have PEDs in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because you there are um, PEDs that people will run in prep that you're not running in an off-season. You're doing that for a reason. They're intended to be short-duration compounds. And if you're extending your season, so like let's say you do option A at 12 weeks out. Mm-hmm. And then you sprinkle in option B and C at four weeks out. Cool. Only four weeks. Well, now you're adding a show that's four weeks from the one you just did. So now that's eight weeks that you're on that and 16 that you're on the first one. Mm-hmm. And now there's a show two weeks later, you were just missed it by the skin of your teeth. You want to keep going. Do you see what I'm saying? Things keep adding up. So Sure, your physique is responding because you're making it. Yeah. You can make the body do a lot. It doesn't mean there's not repercussions of it. So now you've done a 32-week prep. You've had compounds in for almost 20 of those 32 weeks. And you're coming out of show. A lot of people will, I'm going to recover and then I'll get my blood work done. No. <laughs> yep. What you need to do is see what it looks like in the trash version. Even if you are natural and listening to this, you are down-regulating your hormones. You are. If you are anywhere near stage lean, you're not healthy if you're unstaged. So you need to see what your blood work looks like in the depths of it. And then you can decide. So, like, and blood work doesn't take a lot of time to come back. So literally, if you compete on Saturday... You're not training much that weekend anyway. You need to rehydrate. You need to recover. Get your blood work drawn on Tuesday. And that's something you need to also put in the finances. Yeah, it's not cheap. But it's not uh, It's not something to exempt from. Like, it's expensive. But you need to know what's going on under the hood. You can't just, like, pretend and then be surprised when you have bad blood work or your liver has issues or your kidneys have issues, which can happen even without running PEDs. So you need to know what's going on now. Like, let's say you're coming out of a show. You want to do a short rebound and go back into another prep. A lot of people will do that, especially if they do like junior nationals, junior USA at the beginning of the season, they're close, but not quite there. They try to like pull back and then push again for nationals in December. Mm -hmm. I've never done that personally, but some people will try to. If you're coming out of something like that and run your blood work and it doesn't look that great, pulling back for eight weeks just for it to barely get back up to a normal level and then push back down into prep is doing nothing. Like you have to get it normal. Be there for a good minute. Let your body recover with those normal labs. And then you can try pushing back down. And even when you push down again, you need to do it differently if you're running yourself into the dirt by those prior labs. So 
you need to be conscious of what your body's doing. Even if you're, I mean, I'm not saying run blood work after every single show. That's also not realistic, but you have to be aware of like what your body, like your biofeedback's telling you. And what are people on the outside telling you towards you? Cause like that same scenario when Nelson tried to not get to get me do universe that year. And I was like, I have to, I have to, I have to. I finally talked him into it. And I told Kenley, I was like, Nelson said I can do universe. And he was like, two more weeks of this. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> I've been a brat. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's real life though. That's real. But going back to what you said about how some people will push and then, you know, try to pull back a little bit to get their blood work normal, quotes around normal, then go back up. The thing about that is, in bodybuilding, especially when you're prepping, it's a wait and see. You don't know how long it's going to take for your blood work to come back normal. So that is something you can't even truly plan for. So if your whole thing is, okay, well, let me pull back, you know, go into like a quick health phase, and then I'm going to do this show in eight weeks. Well, sweet cheeks, your blood work might not come back okay, because the thing is, you're probably still going to be running yourself down into the ground. Because you know, in the back of your mind, you can't truly reverse prop, re- do a full on reverse. You know what I mean? There was one girl that I was talking to, and I never give my unsolicited advice. It's so interesting. And I'm sure you get this a lot too, Alexis, where someone will just be talking to you, and I won't give any of my feedback or my thoughts, but you can tell they're waiting for it. And she was in a situation similar. And, you know, the topic of her PEDs came up, and I just looked at her and I was honest with her. I said, you've been running things for for too long. Like, I understand that you think you feel good, but when you are at that peak of competing and going and going and going, you are not in your right mind. So just because you think you feel good or your body is responding, nine times out of 10, when you're on stuff for like 24 weeks at a time, it's not going to be good for you. Yeah. And also to say, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing and why you need someone helping guide you is your blood work can come back fine and you still be in a crappy state of health. Oh, that is kind of like we've said before, there's different forms of like genetic advantages. And one of mine is I grow very easily. The other one is that my body will tolerate and do a lot. Not everyone could have done that three and a half week shotgun prep to the, to the Arnold. It wouldn't have happened for a lot of people. We did it, but it took a lot of notches out of the belt. Health wise. No, I rolled out of that show was responding even better. And we went into Vegas and won, but when I was, so coming out of the Arnold, I was like, I kind of could tell at least mentally and mental health is significant too. You have to pay attention to it. And mine, I'm not the best at being aware of, especially in the height of a competing season. So I have to have someone tell me, Kenley's a little bit more harsh. Nelson will tell me in in a way that I'll listen a little bit more because Kenley will just be like, you're, you're going to feel like crap. Like why? And he's not wrong. But Nelson will be like, this is like, he'll put it in more of like a clinical aspect that I can listen to, um, rather than like an opinion 
aspect that my husband does. Um, but coming out of the Arnold, I was like, our original plan was to try to con- prep until like May and do Pittsburgh and New York, which like still sounded appealing to me, but like I was sitting at home after we got back from Ohio, like, I don't know that I can survive seven more weeks. Like my body will do it. I know that it will do it. We have made my body do a lot of things and it always rebounds and my blood work is always like, it's great. (laughs) But luckily Nelson was like, yeah, no, because if we, even if we do that and you do great at all these shows, I don't know that your mental is going to be there for us to pull and then push for the Olympia. And he's right. It wouldn't have been. So mental health is important to take into account, but then also you have to be aware of there's some things that we just can't monitor. And just because your blood say that it's okay, doesn't mean that it's okay. You still have to look at like, I've been in prep for a year and a half. Probably not great. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for all those genetic elite people out there, just because you can, doesn't mean that you should, what you got to realize is just because you're able to do it once, just because you're able to do it twice doesn't mean that's going to be a consistent thing for you because each time you prep, it adds to your history. Like I'll never forget. I was listening to say more podcasts. I love them with Laura Lee and Phoebe and they cracked me up. Cause they were talking about how, Oh, we're, I'm so old. I'm so old. I'm like, you guys, you're like 27 years old. Relax. You're not old. But then as I started listening, these girls have been competing for seven to 10 years. So in the prep world, yeah, baby, you're old. That's a long yeah. time running and gunning and putting that on your body. So while like on the date, the calendar, I am older than you. But then if we're going to look at as from a prep age, y'all are older than me. So I think some girls think because they can, like you can only push, push, push the body so far before it's like, just kidding. We're done. We can't do that anymore. Yep. I mean, I, I've yep. had that happen to me. Ian Valier, he's a um, open men's bodybuilder. He literally just did the same thing. He just retired. He's only like tw- thirty two. Yeah, he's young, but he's been he earned his pro card when he was like twenty two. Yeah, so young. he's been competing in like at a good trajectory the entire time. Very consistent in improving in placings, improving in look as he went. But like things were slowly, minutely starting to break down a little bit, and like. I think peaks might've been getting harder. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I know things were not running as smoothly and perfectly as they had been. Mm-hmm. And that was a sign that he took that like, this is it. Like, I don't want to run myself completely into the ground and that's different for everyone. Some people want to die being on stage and that's all good for you and everything. But like, that's a decision that he had to make for himself. Like, how do I get out of this still with a reputable name, not do not, not running myself backwards and just being too stubborn to leave. Mm -hmm. Um, but like still being able to enjoy the sport. And I think that's where a lot of people from the outside looking in make a mistake and get out of bodybuilding. And they're like, prepping ruined me. No, it didn't. No. Now, gain some aspects of yourself that you didn't know about prior to prepping that are Mm -hmm. negative and that is possible it doesn't mean that those wouldn't have been brought out with a different scenario being dropped into your life later on Mm -hmm. um 
but to blame anything in life because of an experience that you had is just not yeah that's not fair that was the one thing that I loved about Ian was that he got out when he wanted to and not because he felt like he had to be pushed out and this is just okay this is not Bible. This has not ever been said in NPC. This is straight up Amber P philosophy, okay? And this is just like within the regards of bikini. I personally feel, and this might piss some people off, but I personally feel that in bikini, you do got a shelf life. For me personally, I started this at 30. I'm 35 now. I had to have a serious come to Jesus meeting. We t- I talked about it last week about, okay, where I am in life and the things that I want to do. For me, my shelf life, I feel is coming to an end just simply because there are things I want to do. But then I also had to ask myself, do I want to keep putting my body through this? These are things you have to, you start asking yourself as you get older in life. When you start thinking about, I want to have children, like, do I want to keep pushing? Do I want to have to keep doing this to my body, taking certain supplements, doing the cardio? Like, y'all, that's real shit. That's real right there. And so when I saw that he made that decision, it kind of made me look at my life and where I was and prioritize things. It's like, yes, absolutely. I love bodybuilding, but I also understand that if I want to do these other things, that means I have a shelf life and I need to make adjustments because I don't want to keep putting my body through this, especially knowing that I do want to have kids within the next two to three years. Yeah. And um, it's like... You could say right now that you want to live and die bodybuilding. Um, I thought you're that. not going to be competing as a female at a high level when you're 55. You're not. I will say mm-hmm. it. And you don't want to be 55 looking back on your life, wishing you had done XYZ, but you didn't because you were bodybuilding. Now, um, unfortunately for females, there is a, there's a window for certain things in life. There's a window for having children biologically. You can adopt, you can do IVF. Your risks extremely go up with that, um, especially at an, at an older age. So it's something that has to be taken into consideration. And it's like, you guys have heard me on this topic before. It drives me freaking insane when people hammer the, are you going to have kids topic as if as if it's not something that I've considered so I'm not saying that you need to take this into consideration I'm sure you guys have thought about it but definitely be realistic with yourself of what is doable and what is not um if you can afford IVF at 45 by all means do it not my business but make sure that you can and make sure that you're not in a situation now where you're like just getting into it at a later age and then you're kicking yourself in your foot because the stage is always going to be there. You can get on stage at 45, 50, 55. There are even divisions to make the competitiveness more quote unquote fair for you to be against people that your age with similar physiologic like points mm-hmm. in life. Um, but if the goal is not to be on the Olympia stage and be competitive on the Olympia stage within a certain amount of time, then it doesn't make sense to put off 
other life factors for a significant amount of time just to compete because the stage will be there. The NPC is not going anywhere. You put that beautifully because that that's a hundred percent. And you guys here, like for me, like I never had that whole, Ooh, like you, like it's true what they say. Like you do have a clock. And I was worried because I never thought I was going to have that feeling of, Oh, I want a baby. You know, like I love children. I have, I, before I was even in beauty and bodybuilding, I worked with children. Like I was in college to be a kindergarten teacher. So I love kids, but this past summer, it was August. I'll never forget it. I just got that urge all of a sudden. My uterus is like, baby, 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 baby. And I'm like, oh, shoot. That came out of nowhere. What am I supposed to do? My husband, if we would have had a baby six years ago, he would have been content. That man has been wanting a baby for years. And it is extremely selfish for me to keep putting things off because I want to get on stage in a sparkly bikini and neglect him that precious moment of being a father. That is selfish. And so I was thinking about that, thinking about myself, and I feel stressed because I do feel like I'm on a timeline because I do want to compete. I do want to compete at a competitive level. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a baby come back and compete at a competitive level. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is for me is right now in this moment, if it's possible for me, I want to go ahead and compete at that competitive level, get it out of my system, because once I have my baby, Competing at a competitive level is not my priority anymore. It's just not. Yeah. And that's going to be different for everyone. There are right. plenty, plenty of people, even Janet won an Olympia after yeah. having a child. So Angelica's it, back. Yeah. So it's not that it cannot be done, but some people don't want to, and that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so in like, that's what you kind of need to navigate, I guess, since we kind of got off into a tangent that wasn't on my list, but that's very important. Um, especially because most of the people listening here are yeah. girls. You're females. You got uterus. It does things. It won't do those things forever. So you need to decide whether you want to use them or you don't want to use them. Yeah. Especially if you're pushing up into the mid to late 30s. No. At least well, make yourself plan. No. Well, and then it's like, it's all topped up, but not really, because that's me part of making my season realistic. Like, I, I got to be realistic. And Marillo has said it. He's like, you can compete after you have a baby. And again, I don't like to set anything in stone, but I don't know that I would want to. That's just me, though. And if you want to, cool. And if you don't want to, cool. Like, I'm sure, like, I would probably have that feeling or feel the pressure to do so. But that's something I'd worry about later on. But anywho. And then we kind of already touched on it, but like schedule wise. So we talked about like, what do you have going on in between these shows and all that? But also is, are you taking your family on a vacation? Do you have a vacation in June? Not to say that you can't be in prep on vacation because you can. Some people can. Some people are a miserable little twat. And if that's you, you don't need to take your family on vacation while you're in prep. Because if you can't control that, then it's not everyone else's responsibility to be cranky or like have to deal with you cranky because you can't eat at the restaurant at the beach. Like, no. Um, Or like, are there huge family events? Are you the maid of honor in a wedding? I don't recommend doing prep during that Mm -hmm. if you are actually taking your duties seriously. Um, And things like that. Yeah, I was having a conversation with an athlete because she wanted to prep and had her eyes on a show. 
And I said, okay, well, you know, talk that over with your coach. And she said, well, the thing is, like, I'm supposed to be going on a cruise on this time. And I'm not sure that I, I want to be prepping, you know, during a cruise because that's my time. And I just had to kind of let her know, well, then listen to what you're saying. You're saying you want to compete, but then you're also saying you want to go on a cruise. I said, in bodybuilding, sacrifices. You can do that. But uh, you just got to understand if you want to do that show that is four weeks before your cruise, you need to understand that you're not going to be eating nothing that's on that cruise and you got to be good with it. Are you all in or are you not? And at that point, pick a different show. Yeah. And that's the thing, like shows are throughout the year, all year, like shows are already coming up in February, like on the West Coast. Um. So there's options everywhere. So it can fit your schedule for sure. And you can even plan it. You can get planning it a year out usually because show dates usually stay on the same weekend that they were the previous year or like shift one weekend up or down, but it's about the same timeline. So um, you can, there is a lot of planning that is possible in prep that will weave room for the things that are unplanned. But you have to be with realistic with what is doable. Um, and then I guess also schedule-wise, like, you have to schedule in recovery. I say that because that's what I have neglected for so long. Um, that's genetic strength that I have is I can recover under minimal recovery emphasis, I guess. Like, I could – when I was night shift, I was – regularly staying up 36 plus hours before I would go to sleep. And then I go to sleep for like five hours and then get up and like try to flip back to my daytime. And it wasn't a good scenario. Was I, was I changing? Absolutely. But it wasn't without a significant stack of genetics to allow me to do that. Now with emphasizing, um, recovery, getting my seven to eight hours of sleep a night, which was a a huge change in my, in my like personal scheduling. I have to say no to a lot more things. I would, I used to say yes to everything and I'd work the day before and have to get up at 3am again to like go travel and like, and I still do that sometimes, but it's way, way, way less. And I've seen a much better improvement in, in my quality of life in addition to like the bodybuilding stuff. So I think I told Amber one time, like when I started really focusing on getting sleep, mm-hmm. which sounds crazy. Like it just, I know that sounds ridiculous, but the, I was, I was not sleeping and I was like, I woke up and I'm ready to go. And like, I don't know what's going on. She was like, that's that you're supposed to wake up like that. Like you're not supposed like, to Girl, you went to bed. And then like self-medicate with enough caffeine. And yeah, <laughs> go stay. Do you know something? I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but something that I noticed when you made that shift, like just the quality of like, you had way less brain fog. Like I just, yeah. I you were, you were crispier. And the thing is you're a crispy, sharp individual anyway, but I could just tell like you were just, I don't know, like you were just more focused. Everything was just flowing. You were just, I, I, I could tell a huge difference in your day-to-day life. And it was, it was nice. It's amazing what going to bed will do. When in doubt, just go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know something that's ironic. So Kenley used to get on to me because I would never sleep. Like I'd come home from night shift working. I, and I used to stack my days so I could try to flip back and forth. So I'd work six or seven night shifts in a row and then come home that morning and like, 
either sleep for like three hours and get up by 11 or just not go to sleep and try to go to bed early that night. Mm. The thing with the thing with that is you don't actually end up going to bed early. And like Amber and I had to talk about this when we, I think in Dallas, because you were like running on minimal sleep, either Dallas or the trip before that you're running on minimal sleep. And I was like, you just have to push. Cause once you get through the really sucky, I feel yeah. like death, you get a second wind and you can go for a whole nother 24 hours. Don't recommend it. But you like, if you're in a position where like yeah. you can't sleep and you need to survive, I promise you will hit that next, you'll hit that next little upswing and it's, and it works. But I was doing that like weekly. <laughs> just like, yeah, girl, you can stay up for another 24 hours. You just got to push right now. Yeah. Like I would, there were nights where like, once I switched to day shift, nights were really short. I'd be like, I'll go home and sleep for four hours and I'll come back. Didn't actually sleep, come back, work some more, like crazy. And Kenley would be like, you cannot live like this. Like, you're not going to progress how you want to progress. Like, things are not going to be good, blah, blah, blah. And now that I sleep eight-ish hours a night, Kenley's like, Alexis goes to bed before me. She wakes up after me. She's, she, I don't know how much, how people sleep like that. And I'm like, I used to be a zombie, and now you're mad that I sleep. <laughs> right. But do you know what? Something else that I noticed in your physique, too and you're, this is the best you've ever looked in an off season. And I know it's because obviously like the more you do it, the better you look, but I know it has a lot to do with your sleep. Like your physique looks dense. It looks crispy, like even in the off season. And it's like, because she's recovering, you guys, you got to recover. And this is coming from someone who has shitty recovery, but it, if I don't sleep, nothing happens. So the fact that she's able to just go and do that, I'm like, yeah, man, not, well, and that's what, like, some things, sometimes I have to, like, put myself into, because everyone has their understanding of things, and then not everything else you can always comprehend to the best. So, like, that's mm-hmm. something that I work on, because I can get very set and, like, no, you can do this. There's some things that I can't do, but, like, that is something I can do. So, when people would call in, because they weren't sleeping very well during the day, and they can't work that night, I'm like, what? <laughs> Drink some coffee. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, that's reason to not come in. But I know other people, like, if mm-hmm. you get less than five hours, you're not functional. Yeah. I don't think I ever told you, I mean, this is off topic, but it, it might help someone. Something that I struggled with was, like, when I, just, like, with the whole recovery thing, it irritates me. It definitely irritates me now. And this is just, like, a whole bikini thing because Obviously, I get it. I have to be careful with my training, blah, 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 with upper body and whatnot. But it's hard when I have no problems pushing. I can go. But then on the flip side of it, I went through this phase at one point where I was scared to push because I knew this is going to probably take me out for two to three days. So it was like trying to I struggled for a little bit with trying to find like that happy medium. And I'm not going to lie. This is something I still struggle with because I have to, I don't know. It's just a, it's a really weird place to be like being a bikini athlete and then knowing you have shit recovery and then, but also knowing that, Hey, I have the ability to go, go, go and push. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of like for you, Alexis, when you were talking about your training and he was talking about pull out, pull out, just a little pull back a little bit, how you didn't know the difference between like training full out and pulling back. It's kind of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be, 
difficult and like that I still don't know I won't say that I have the best comprehension of it I understand the point but like he definitely had to write out yes. like this is what you can do this is what you cannot do and I'm like okay I can follow that because I have something that I can look at and do but it's that it's, mm. and we're not saying that you can like master everything that we just covered in a season but it's things oh. that need to be like Mm-mm. at the forefront of your brain when you're planning for your season. That way, if you do get into a spot where you're like, I can't keep going, it's not a complete surprise. It's like, okay, I knew that at some point this would come and it's fine. This is just my stopping point. We'll reverse. We'll make a new plan for the next time. We'll improve in the meantime. Well said, coach. Well said. You got anything else? I think that's it. All right. That was a good episode. Look at us giving y'all long episodes in 2024. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Apple Apple Spotify, Spotify Podcasts. You can watch us on the tube. Alexis is taking lifestyle bikini and wellness clients. I'm taking bikini and lifestyle clients. Get your posing in. I need to get my posing in. I just, meh. Get your posing in with Alexis. Schedule ahead of time so that way you're not on stage looking crazy. Book your stage glam with me so that way you're not on stage looking crazy. (laughs) I'm just being silly, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will chat with y'all next week. Bye, guys.